Welcome into the All Things Bama podcast powered by BamaCentral.com, your Sports Illustrated home for all Crimson Tide news and information. I'm your host, Tyler Martin, joined again for our midweek show with Katie Windham, BamaCentral.com staff writer. Um, she's back on. She was on here last Tuesday. Um, we're coming off now, Katie, Alabama's first scrimmage of the fall. Uh, pretty exciting. You know, football's so close away. I mean, this is the last weekend coming up really with no football. Next weekend, we'll have some week zero games. Um, that's exciting. But um, just, you know, after after the scrimmage, what was kind of maybe your takeaways up to this point so far, especially coming out of the scrimmage, which I, you know, hear Bryce Young threw three touchdowns. Kendall Randolph sprained his ankle. Uh, he started at right tackle. But, yeah, kind of what is what, – what's the pulse right now in Tuscaloosa? Honestly, my biggest takeaway from the scrimmage after, um, you know, the media wasn't allowed to watch, but we got to talk to Saban after and really kind of how uh, positive he seemed. Um, you know, he said – he did say something about uh, the younger players may not have been as prepared because the new practice rules, they don't have as many – um, contact full contact practices before their first scrimmage they may have been a little hesitant but overall he seemed pretty pleased with the progress of the scrimmage you know sometimes he can be a little irritable or um, he makes it pretty clear when he's not happy but um, he seemed pretty pleased he said there's a lot of young guys that have stepped up um, so I think we can see or Alabama fans uh, can expect to see a lot of new guys um, on offense and defense um, get involved. Uh, I asked him kind of about some specific players and he wouldn't, if you ask him about a specific player, he'll talk about them, but he didn't want to just offer up any names because he didn't want to put expectations on anyone. Um, but he talked about on defense, you know, it's been a lot better for them this year because they've gotten uh, to learn the system in person, even though last year, you know, there were two freshmen that started like Malachi Moore, Will Anderson played a lot last year. So um, I think we'll see a lot of new faces on both sides of the ball get early playing time. Two groups he singled out were um, the DBs and wide receivers. So really be looking at those two groups. Yeah, and uh, and to I mean the big really the biggest injury type news was Kendall Randolph um, spraining uh, spraining his ankle. Um, you know he he should be back soon. Um, not really sure the timetable there, but but yeah, you know something that I was I was really pleased to hear about Katie is how Trey Sanders was doing. Uh, you know, this is a guy who me and Joey mentioned this briefly before on the weekend show, but like he's a guy, you know, he when he got to Alabama, it was like he nothing could go his way, right? When he first gets there, uh, he he tear or he breaks his leg and then he hurts his hip in a car accident in the middle of last season. So this is kind of the year that you know everybody has a lot of expectations for him. And you would almost think, really, you know, from how how good he's been so far in his recovery and in the practices and in the scrimmage that, you know, maybe, just maybe, that Brian Robinson really doesn't have this starting running back job as locked down as it might appear on the surface. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, it, it definitely is kind of a feel-good story so far, so far in fall camp uh, that Trey Sanders seems to be almost fully back to normal because, like you said, he's gone through some pretty bad injuries. Um, I've heard, you know, his rehab getting back from the car accident was pretty tough. Um, so it's really good to be able to see him back out there um, at practice and like I said didn't get to watch the scrimmage but heard really good things about him from that um, and you know I, I think like you said I, I, he definitely he was a highly talented running back coming out of high school so he definitely has the talent there and if he is healthy I think he'll definitely push Brian Robinson for starting time at that running back position I think at first we'll probably see especially the first couple games um, I think we'll probably see 
Brian Robinson getting the majority of the carries um, and in the starting role, but definitely as the season goes on, we could see a little bit more competition emerging from the running back position as uh, Sanders gets more and more healthy and gets more used to being back in a full contact and full game speed. Yeah, and then on, on Tuesday, uh, the media heard from Justin E. Boigby, Slade Bolden, uh, defensive line. You wrote, a, you wrote a little quick hitter up on the site, and uh, that was on Tuesday, just a, about really the rotation. And Sam kind of mentioned that earlier, too. You know, there's going to be eight or nine guys he thinks that can really fill that role. And Boigby is one of those guys who, who really has high expectations this year, right? I mean, this is a year for him where he could leave and have an NFL decision, right, to make. Um, and you heard from him. You heard from Slade Bolden. Slade Bolden, interesting to me, you know, everybody, you know, a question he got was about Bryce Young. Where have you seen Bryce grow, Bryce grow really from year one to year two? And you kind of hear the same things, right? Oh, he, he's, he's becoming more of a leader, things like that. But I think the exciting thing for really a lot of Alabama fans is on, is on uh, Wednesday, uh, or I can't, I, don't, I can't, I don't remember if it's Thursday or Wednesday, um, you guys are going to hear from Bryce Young for the first time. And I'm, man, I'm really intrigued and really interested in hearing what he has to say for the first time behind the podium. I know he's been coached up on what to say um, by the Alabama Sports and Information Department. But, you know, it's going to be interesting um, to just really, you know, a sophomore quarterback, um, you know, that it really knows now that it's his team. Yeah, he, he seems like a pretty poised guy, and I'm sure he's gone through all the training with Alabama Athletics on what to say. But uh, like we were talking about a little bit before we started recording, I'm sure there will be a large media presence um, on the Zoom call just for the first chance to get to talk to Bryce Young. Um, like most fans know, Alabama does not let the media talk to freshman football players unless it's in the postseason. Sometimes they get to a little bit at college football playoff uh, media events and stuff like that. But uh, other than that, they don't. And obviously Bryce Young was a freshman last year. He's entering his second season. Um, he's the presumed starter. Uh, Saban's talked about him positively throughout the offseason and, and preseason fall camp. And so – uh, it'll be good for Alabama fans to be able to hear from him for the first time to kind of hear uh, his answers on how he feels like he's leading the offense, um, kind of hear how he's handling the pressure. You know, uh, Saban said at media days that Bryce Young was nearing uh, seven figures in NIL deals, NIL deals and um, that's a lot of pressure for someone who, you know, doesn't even have, um, I don't think, 200 career passing yards. So obviously the talent's there. He was a, another highly – Touted recruit coming in, um, but this is really uh, his team that he has the chance to take the reins and lead. And like we kind of talked about on our last podcast, it's kind of an unusual situation uh, under Saban, where the starter coming in is someone that doesn't have a lot of experience, but he's not really in a battle for anyone else for the position. Like it is his job, um, but he doesn't have a lot of position uh, experience in the SEC. And part of that was because you know last season, since it was an all SEC schedule. There wasn't a lot of garbage time in games like there might be in a non-conference game where you're up by, you know, 30, 40, 50 at halftime and the backup quarterback can play the whole second half or the whole fourth quarter. He just didn't get that as much last year. So he really doesn't have a lot of in-game experience, but um, from what we've heard and seen so far, it seems like he is ready to lead this team. Yeah, Thursday is that day where you guys, you guys will hear from him. Um, Tuesday and Thursday is when they got the availability. But, you know, it is disappointing, too, that, you know, the media viewing portion is canceled now. Um, so even, you know, I know you and Joe were heading up to practice. I know it kind of sucks now that, you know, that's been canceled. And it kind of makes you wonder, you know, what, uh, what what's happened, right? I mean, you know, because I, I know that Alabama um, is over 95% vaccinated. 
if someone tested positive or if that's just what, you know, Coach Saban, if he, if he just changed his mind on certain things. But that aspect kind of sucks. For me, Katie, you know, when I think of Bryce Young, I kind of think of, you know, the last time Alabama really had a, a high-powered quarterback start for the first time. Uh, you know, and I say high-powered, it's like highly touted recruit, right, a five-star guy, and that was Tua. Uh, you know, and Tua got in, he didn't win a championship his first year starting. Um, and so when you look at quarterbacks with Nick Saban who have won championships their first year starting, you look at A.J. McCarron, you look at Greg McElroy, you look at Jake Coker, um, let's see, Matt Jones wins one in his first year, his first full year starting. Um, so I, I think it's kind of interesting that two of the quarterbacks or three of the quarterbacks that didn't were Jalen Hurts, Blake Sims, and Tua Tungavailoa. And so I think this year the expectation, you know, is that, okay, well, Alabama's going to come in now. They're just going to be Alabama. And Bryce Young's got to meet these standards. Um, but I really do think, and, I, and you know, we're going to get into the AP poll, but there's a reason, you know, Miami's in a top 15 team now. There's a reason Florida's ranked in there. Like, he, out of the gate, he's going to have some tough challenges and really he's going to have to find his feet really quickly. Um, but I'm just kind of worried a little bit about – you know, where Bryce Young is going to meet the expectation of the fans um, early on because they're going to be set so high. And like I mentioned, the three quarterbacks in the Nick Saban era did not win a championship when their first full year starting. I guess you can count John Parker too, which Jalen Hurts, Tua, and Blake Sims. Yeah, that's a great point that there have been um, a lot that have won their first year starting, which you might not have thought, like Greg McElroy and Jake, Cook and Jake Coker, but then some of the more – um, highly touted Dennett and really I mean I guess if you look at it Tua never won one the year he was the full starter because he won in 2017 when he came in obviously the famous second and 26 game um, but yeah I think that's a really good point that uh, it obviously under Saban there's a lot of other pieces around the quarterback on offense and defense that even if they don't have a lot of experience they can win a championship right off the bat uh, like a Jake Coker uh, like a Mac Jones, like you said, even though Mac did have a decent amount of experience um, in the backup roles and he'd been in the system for a while, but yeah, I, I think it will, he, he has the potential, um, but I think fans also don't need to place enormous expectations on him as he has only been in the program for two years. And one of them was his only full year was under a lot of COVID protocols um, and not a normal season at all. And uh, like I've said multiple times now, you know, he doesn't have the experience. And so yeah. uh, can he lead this team to a national championship? Absolutely. Um, but there's a lot we'll have to see play out. And like you said, it'll start with Miami uh, in week one. And, and maybe I, you just was kind of noticed from when Saban speaks, and he even said this in spring a little bit too. And he said it on Saturday after the first scrimmage. Um, and he was asked about, you know, how do you think Bryce performed? And then Saban was like, well, I think Bryce did good, but but we've got to get guys around him to start playing good. So at this point, I'm kind of getting – my takeaway is um, is that at some point, you know, Saban, you know, right now, and I get it, you know, you're a coach, you're always going to be kind of worried because you're always thinking about the future. But it's like this offense, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe there is a little bit of concern for now um, in terms of where they're at and what they're, where they're going to be by the, end of the, by the end of the season might look completely different. Um, but right now, you know, every time Saban talks about it, it's like we've got to make sure everybody else is on Bryce's level just because there's so many new faces on the offense. Yeah, for sure. That was that was something that Saban kind of emphasized after the scrimmage was, you know, Bryce is just one of 11 pieces on offense. You got to get the other 10 pieces around and playing well, too. And you lose uh, your Heisman winning receiver and 
and Devontae Smith, you lose Jalen Waddell in the first round, you lose your starting center and Landon Dickerson, who went down with injury, obviously before the end of last season. Um, you lose your starting running back with Najee. So like you said, there's a lot of new faces and pieces in place that will have to step up around Bryce Young. It's it's not going to be, I don't think, automatically the seamless offense that we've, we've seemed to see in the last couple of years. I'll be honest, going into last season, I honestly did not think that um, Mac Jones would just step in and sling it right away like he did and just kind of really pick up where Tua left off. Um, but he did, you know, had one of the most prolific passing seasons in Alabama football history, even though it was a shortened season. Um, but he also had a lot of pieces in place that were really experienced in that offense. And Bryce Young has a lot of talent in place around him, but maybe not as much experience. And so it could take uh, this team and this offense a couple weeks, a couple games to gel before we see them firing on all cylinders. And it does help every day that you're in fall camp and with this, they've got another scrimmage this weekend. It just helps that you're going up against arguably the best what could be the best defense in the country led by, you know, Henry Toa Toa, Will Anderson, Christopher Allen, you know, arguably the best linebacking core. You throw Christian Harrison there too. So um, it helps to go up against those guys every single day in practice. Um, before we get into the AP poll, coaches poll some reaction to that because it just came out earlier this week. Alabama picked up commitment number 14 on Monday night in Jake Pope, a defensive back out of the state of Georgia, out of Buford. Um, to kind of put this in perspective, Buford High School, they win state championships similar to what Thompson's doing in the state of Alabama right now. Uh, they're a big powerhouse. But, but this battle, Katie, came down to really Alabama, North Carolina, and Georgia. Um, and it's kind of crazy, you know, when we start talking about a lot of these big-time recruits, that, that North Carolina is in the mix, right? I mean, I know they have a big resurgence than Mac Brown right now, but Alabama able to win this one out. And I think the key was really getting him on campus for that fifth and final official visit after he had already seen all the other schools. Alabama getting that last one was pretty important. Um, but a lot of people, you know, just kind of looked at this commitment like, okay, so what, right? I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's a defensive back. He's only six foot one. Uh, you know, he's only a three-star. I think a lot of people, you know, kind of cling to this kind of uh, three-star mentality. But when you, when, you go, when you go read up on him and you go look at the tape, I mean, he's very versatile. He can play different positions in the defensive backfield. Um, in, in, and what I like to tell people is, too, Katie, is that, okay, if you want to judge a kid based off of, you know, don't base him off of stars. Base him off of who wants him. And when you look at his final five, Notre Dame was in the mix. Ohio State was in the mix. And those just aren't, you know, pushover schools, right? I mean, those are legit, you know, college football playoff contending schools. Um, literally, Georgia has been in a championship game this, this year uh, or a couple years ago. Ohio State was there last year. Notre Dame's been in playoffs multiple years. Alabama, of course. Um, so this is a guy who is highly wanted. Um, and it was just a big gift for Alabama, number 14. Um, as this class really begins to really start taking, I believe, its final shape. I've talked to John Garcia on here about this. Because of the COVID numbers, because of how kind of messed up the scholarship numbers are, because of guys using extra years of eligibility, they're going to take lesser numbers this year in the recruiting. And two, you've got to make sure there's room for transfers like a Henry Toa Toa, like a Jamison Williams. Um, but Alabama got better on Monday night with the addition of Jake Pope. Yeah, I think two big things out of what you just said is first, when you talked about him getting to come down for that uh, visit, it's I think it's been big for recruits all around the country and programs that uh, obviously the high school athletes have been able to come back and visit on campus in person because, you know, the NCAA had the kind of lockdowns in 2020, not letting any recruits visit campus. So I think that's big. I think it's 
been helpful for Alabama. And then second, um, what you were saying about, I think a lot of fans can get caught up in the stars ranking and, you know, where they are in the recruiting ranking. But like you said, look at the programs that are recruiting them. You know, Saban doesn't, he, he recruits people specifically. If, if he didn't think this guy couldn't fit into the system in Alabama, if he didn't think he couldn't excel, he wouldn't be recruited. So uh, Alabama fans should be excited for this addition to the 2022 recruiting class. Yeah, Nick Saban, I mean, obviously we, we talk about it ad nauseum in here, but just literally one of the best, I mean, maybe arguably the best evaluator of talent and then developing that talent we've ever seen. Um, and then me and Joey, we mentioned all over the weekend about, you know, losing Le'Veon Moss. Um, you did a story for us um, uh, on the weekly recruiting corner about maybe some running back targets. Um, but Alabama, you know, they're, they're really starting to piece this class together. Um, Justice Finkley is another kid to watch. Elijah Pritchett, an offensive lineman out of the state of Georgia, is another one to watch. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Alabama right now, they're – because once they get into the season, there's going to be some guys here and there. Um, but really what we saw of July, which is now carried over into August, getting a couple additions this month has been really big. Uh, Katie, let's go ahead and talk about this AP poll that just came out this week, came out on Monday. Alabama, no surprise, ranked number one. Um, Oklahoma, surprisingly, it's, maybe it's just a surprise to me that Oklahoma's at two. I don't know why I just look at that and think, okay, Oklahoma's a preseason team. You know, they just lost to Iowa State last year. Um, they, they lost uh, another game last year, too. They lost multiple games. Um, but they did have a good showing against Florida in the, in the Cotton Bowl with a, a team, a Florida team that was a shell of itself. You have Clemson at three, Ohio State at four, then Georgia rounds out the top five. What was kind of – and I know it's a preseason poll, but, but it does matter some to some degree because it gets everybody talking. What was kind of some of your takeaways? Yeah, big first takeaway for Alabama fans. It's obviously, Alabama comes in at number one, extends that streak of being number one at some point in the season. Uh, for, I don't know, I think since 2008 now. So, which is just insane. We were kind of talking before the podcast about when you look at the rankings every year, earlier this week, one of our uh, Roll Call Sports Illustrated covers from 11 years ago in 2010, the top 10 was Alabama, Ohio State, Boise State, Texas, TCU, Iowa, Florida, Oregon, Nebraska, and Virginia Tech. And a lot of those teams haven't been, you know, near the top 10 a lot since and so it seems like it's pretty cyclical for who goes in and out of the top five but not really for Alabama uh, under Saban it's pretty consistent in the top three and really in the last couple of years it's been like that for these other top five teams with Oklahoma Clemson Ohio State and Georgia um, it, it does keep, seem kind of surprising to see Oklahoma up there but I think a lot of people are high on uh, Spencer Rattler um, and also uh, Chris Walsh did a story this week about and his welcome to the SEC series about uh, Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC eventually and how Oklahoma has had pretty good success against SEC teams, but not in the college football playoff. So Oklahoma has really high expectations for them this year at, at number two. Um, they have a lot of talent in place. Their defense has been improved the last couple of years. That's not the same Big 12 defense that we've been used to seeing. Um, but preseason expectations and you know rankings don't matter unless they can get some wins in the college football playoff which they haven't been able to do yet obviously that's way far down the road but um when you look at this you know initial top 25 you got a couple Alabama opponents in there you got Texas A&M at number six um which I believe is a road game for Alabama this year yeah it is in I think October so that's you know Alabama fans are just so used to winning that it doesn't seem like that big of a deal but Going on the road to number six is a uh, no cakewalk um, and it can get pretty loud out in College Station. And then 
You got you'll be down at the swamp against Florida, who comes in at number 13. Um, in the preseason AP rankings, and then for week one opponent Miami at 14, uh, LSU at 16. So, um, and then a couple of other SEC schools receiving votes, Georgia in the top five, you know, not on Alabama's schedule at the moment, but could play them in the postseason, either in the SEC or the college football playoffs. So um, those are kind of some of my um, early takeaways from the top 25. Also fun to see teams like Coastal Carolina and Louisiana, Louisiana Lafayette sneaking in there. Yeah, I was honestly surprised I didn't see Liberty in there. I know they – I think they received some votes, but um, thought I would see Liberty um, inside the top 25. But, no, the, you made a great point, Katie. For me, when I look at this, like the biggest thing for me was, okay, Alabama's schedule is so, dif- is so difficult. And I know everybody wants to make fun of it by the end of the year. Oh, they end up not playing anybody. But when you come into it, look at the teams they got to play. They got to play number five number 13, number 14, number 16, uh, number six. Uh, and they've also got to play Ole Miss, who receive votes. Auburn obviously received votes. Uh, and so it's just, man, um, life is not easy in the SEC. And so it just kind of puts it in perspective, I think, when you look at it at the beginning of the year. Okay, these are what we think these teams are going to be, rather than at the end of it, okay, you know, this team ended up not, not being good. But at the time, you know, when we look at the schedule now, it's like Alabama's playing five or six ranked opponents already on their schedule. That's half of the schedule. Um, and that's, you know, and that's way more than some teams like like Georgia, for example. I'm just going to use them as an example. You know, you look at them on their schedule, they play Clemson in a game that ultimately, you know, I, I get it, it's going to be an awesome game, three versus five. Um, but it's not going to matter. Both of the, Either one of those teams could lose and still make the college football playoff by winning their conference. Um, Georgia's got to play uh, Florida at, thir- at 13, and that's all the teams. They've got to play one other ranked opponent right now, right now. So Alabama um, has it a little, diff- diff- uh, has it a little different um, with a target on their back, like always, you know, being the defending national championship champions, being number one. Um, but, you know, you, I want to go back to the Oklahoma and Clemson kind of talk. You know, I thought Clemson would be number two. And, look, it was darn close in terms of the points. They both got six first-place votes, and then um, Oklahoma barely edging them out by 15 overall points. So it was close. It was really close. I still think going into this season, I would probably have Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, then Oklahoma. I'd probably have Oklahoma at five. Um, with Clemson at two and Georgia at three. I think Georgia is really the team um, that, that's outside of Alabama and outside of Clemson that's really kind of separated themselves just during the preseason. Um, but let me ask you this, though, Katie. Out of the teams inside the top ten, which one do you think is, is maybe most likely? Because it's happened every year. If you go from 2010 to 2020, with the exception of 2011, this didn't happen, but every other year it did a team that was ranked in the preseason top 10, but finished unranked. What team would you say is most likely for that to happen to? That's a good question. Um, I don't think it's going to be any of the top five. I think Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, and Georgia are all pretty safe. Something catastrophic would have to happen to one of those teams for them to end up unranked. Um, I think all five will be in contention for the college football playoff at the end of the season. Uh, Texas A&M is six. I think they'll still be ranked at the end. Um, like we, you were just saying, the SEC is pretty tough. I don't think they're going to come out unscathed, but um, I, I think they'll still be ranked. Um, so then you got Iowa State, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, and North Carolina rounding out the top ten. 
Um, you know, Cincinnati, they had a good year last year. Um, they probably will not face a ton of competition in the American Athletic Conference, so there's a good chance they'll still be ranked, so I'll keep them safe. Um, Iowa State, they had a really good year for their program last year, I think. Um, they made a, you know, New Year's Six Bowl, right, for the first time in a while. Yeah, the Fiesta. Uh, and so uh, I, I, I think they're still pretty good. Brock Purdy at quarterback. Think they're safe so that kind of leaves us now with uh Notre Dame and North Carolina um you know Notre Dame's kind of like Oklahoma what I was saying with they just have not had the best college football playoff appearances once again Alabama's semifinal opponent last year and just didn't really have it so um maybe I'll go with Notre Dame to fall out of the top 25 by the end of the year okay um, you know, North Carolina with Mac Brown, I don't really know, honestly, a ton of what they got going on. But he, like you were saying, too, Jake Pope, they've kind of turned it up a little bit on the recruiting trail. Um, the ACC is maybe not as fierce. Notre Dame plays a pretty tough schedule every year, being independent, having to play a bunch of top power five teams. So we'll see. I don't know, though, because if Brian Kelly falls out of the top 25, it might finally be uh, enough to extinguish him. But We'll see. It or it, it could be someone we completely don't expect. I said I was pretty confident in those top five, but um, it would be pretty pretty bad for one of them to fall see, out. See the okay. See for me, the way I look at it is okay. Like Iowa State, they're the only team in the Big Twelve that I well, I say only. Texas has still got to show me something. My a big one of my big upsets going into this year is I've already been on record saying I think Arkansas is going to beat Texas in week two. Um, so that's why I kind of not text. I don't think Texas is going to be, you know, up to that Oklahoma standard in the Big 12. Um, I think Steve Sarkeesian is going to get them there. I just don't think from a talent standpoint or just a roster personnel uh, point that they're going to be there to be able to compete with them. So Iowa State obviously is the team to beat outside of Oklahoma in that conference. I think Oklahoma and Iowa State will, are probably going to meet in the Big 12 championship. Cincinnati, I mean, is Tulsa beating Cincinnati? No. Is Memphis or Houston beating them? SMU? No. Okay, That's I'm why schedule now then Cincinnati and Notre Dame eight and nine play each other on October second, which I was not aware of. So yeah. that, that could knock one of them out. That's a that's a tough. I mean, see, Cincinnati more than likely is going to be that top tier group of five team. I wouldn't sleep on UCF. UCF yeah. has got a great chance to finish the year as the top group of five team, but I think it's going to come. I think it's going to come down to them or Cincinnati because I like what Gus Malzahn is going to do there. But I think if I had to pick a team that I think is more likely to finish unranked, I'll probably go with North Carolina. And that's also kind of dependent, too, on what we see with Miami. What happens with my, has Miami – because really, in that ACC championship game, it, Clemson's going to be already there. You can just shoot them in. But is North Carolina or Miami going to get to Charlotte to play them? And if De'Eric King is the truth, if – you know, my, Manny Diaz can get that defense going. They've got – they're bringing back 97% of their production from last year. They're very – they're going to be an experienced team. Um, I think Miami can knock them out, right? And then North Carolina, I mean, the ACC, there's a there's a, there's one or two good teams. Well, there's one elite team, two good teams, and then a whole lot of nothing, right? Um, could North Carolina fall to a team like Florida State, who's still trying to be up and coming, or like a Georgia State or Georgia Tech, who should be better? Um, Pitt's going to be tough. NC State will be a little bit better. Um, so I think if there's any team that could be uh, maybe, you know, 
more prone to slip up. I think I think North Carolina, even though Sam Howell, you know, is right now, I think he's got maybe the second or third best odds to win the Heisman Trophy behind Spencer Rattler. Um, so and behind Brock Purdy of Iowa State. So I'll go I'll go with North Carolina. Um, but no, I, Notre Dame, I mean, they yeah, they, they mean, you know, they're going to play five or six ACC teams. That Cincinnati game is really interesting. And that, you know, that Cincinnati game might actually change my opinion on a group of five teams right now um, because I'm just kind of like, they, they just got to show me something in a game that matters, right? Everybody yeah. wants to go to that Cincinnati-Georgia game in the Peach Bowl last year. Georgia had about five or six starters opt out. Like, that didn't show me anything, you know? Um, it was a meaningless bowl game at the end of the day. And I, I don't think it was meaningless, but I, but to everybody else, to the public, it, it looks meaningless. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think I think North Carolina is that team that if I had to just peg as um, to continue in this trend, being on unra- being in the top ten in the preseason and then being unranked at the end of it, I'll, I'll go with North Carolina. I can get behind that as well. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with you on that. I, I can see that. Uh, I, I'd say it would come it'll come down to Notre Dame or North Carolina. Yeah, uh, like I said, it's it's just it's just fascinating to me. Um, and, and you know, my to I mean, this just when I when I finally see the polls come out, like yes, like on Monday. Like this just tells me college football is so close. It is, it is literally days away. You know, now we're getting into almost literally, you know, two weeks away, two, three weeks away from now. Um, and it's just, man, next week though, okay, there's going to be actual football that matters, regular season football. I know everybody liked the preseason for the NFL last week. I, I'm not a big preseason guy, um, but there's going to be regular season college football next weekend. And I'm pretty fired up about it and can't wait to see you and Joey's coverage this season still. Um, continue killing it with practices. Um, and we can't wait to hear what Bryce Young says on Thursday. I know you guys are going to have us covered. Um, real quick, where can people find you on Twitter? Um, where do you where, where do you share a lot of your workout on there? Yeah, most of it. Um, you can find me on Twitter. And I actually recently just changed my handle. Um, so it's my name, Katie Windham, with an underscore after. Um, but also follow Bama Central on Twitter. Um, keep up with our website uh, on Facebook, Alabama Crimson Tide on Sports Illustrated. Uh, we recently got a new message board, which is really exciting. You'll find all of us on there. Um, sometimes posting some insider stuff, just some things we've heard, some great discussion about all the different Alabama sports. Um, but obviously right now the focus is kind of football. So that's our closest thing. But, you know, we also got um, soccer and volleyball about to start up. So we'll have you covered for that. But, yeah, we're excited to get um, going with actual football in a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll be excited to talk to Bryce Young this week and hear what he has to say to the media for the first time. Yeah, no, and I wanted to just give you a chance to just kind of plug uh, your social media and so people can go follow you. I know the thousands of people that listen to this are, are going to go follow you right after this. But, no, thanks again, Katie, for coming on here and talking a little bit about Alabama football. Um, we'll do this again next week. Um, and, you know, hey, we'll be a week closer um, when Alabama takes on Miami and Atlanta on September 4th. Very exciting. For Katie Windham, I'm Tyler Martin. This has been another edition of the All Things Bama podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And we look forward to seeing you next time.